Calvary Christian Fellowship is a growing vibrant church located in the New York City borough of the Bronx. CCF is dedicated to presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ through dynamic preaching, well-balanced teaching and discipleship, and vibrant worship and praise. It is our intention to raise up qualified leaders and ministry teams who will effectively impact their generation for Christ. Visit our website at www.calvaryny.org. Now stay tuned for today's message. Praise the Lord. Two weeks ago, I had started sharing about uh, how we have to learn how to lighten the load in our own lives. It's very important, and I'm going to share part two of that. Uh, Sister Latasha, thank you so much for uh, those beautiful words, for just speaking from your heart. I appreciate it more than words can say. And you're right, there is an anointing to raising children. And uh, I, I remember it, there were various times when our children were being raised and they would get hurt. And what I would do is I would immediately take the child, you know, they're hurt, and then run to, to their mother to go and give them the child and then walk away. <laughs> but the reason why is I wasn't being neglectful. is just I felt their pain so much, I just couldn't be in the same room. at the cell. So I would go away and pray. And then, of course, uh, mom would have to deal with the issue. Then I come back later, they okay? <laughs> I remember when they were first born, I would have a hard time even holding them. So most of the time, I wouldn't even hold them. I was like, here, mom, you take them. And I was just, oh, how nice. <laughs> They're so precious and so tender. I didn't want to drop them or something. But, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing to raise children, but it is precious also. So um, thank you, um, all the parents and for all of you. And uh, Latasha, thank you. Mom, it's so great to see you. What a privilege. Haven't seen you for a while. And uh, it's always great to see you, um, and thank you for coming and fellowshipping with us today. That's one great lady. Uh, she's a disciplined woman of God, an intercessor, and a just, you want wisdom? You go talk to her. She'll sit down in her own quiet way, she'll share the wisdom of God's word. So thank you so much. And, and family, it's a pleasure that you're here today. So thank you. Thank you so much. I wanted to open up the word a moment to Ecclesiastes 5.3. I'm going to speak mostly from the Living Translation today. I want to talk about uh, the, the effects that we have when we have a hurried lifestyle, a stressful lifestyle. I told my wife on the way in today, um, we decided to uh, go for Saturday, go to Pennsylvania and just uh, smell uh, the roses and smell the grass just for a day or so, because <laughs> I'm always in the city all the time, and, and I work in the city, so I'm always looking at buildings. Uh, but when we were over there, it's amazing how quickly your blood pressure goes down. And you just sort of like, you calm down. It's amazing. You don't even notice it until you get out of the city. So city dwellers do have a lot of stress that they have to deal with, much more so than the country counterparts. So uh, this message is important for all of us because we get used to stress, and many times we don't even see that we've been working with stress all the time, and that starts breaking you down. And that's not God's design for us. You know, he even tells us to rest on a weekly basis. So Ecclesiastes 5.3 says, Too much activity gives you restless dreams. Too many words make you a fool. Too much activity gives you restless dreams and too many words make you a fool. That's in the, uh, the living translation. So what happens with us is... When we live a continuously hurried lifestyle, a stressful lifestyle, what ends up happening, if we don't realize we have to lighten our load, what ends up happening is we feel more stress. 
we get more stressful. I remember when I was 28 years old, um, I was managing uh, about 500 units downtown. And it was very stressful. I was working seven days a week. Uh, I was managing a lot of staff. And it was hard. It was a hard job. Every day there were challenges. Every day somebody was screaming. Every day somebody was angry. Every day an apartment had to get ready. Every day there was a move in. Every day there was a move out. So I had constantly um, uh, developed uh, this thing of micromanaging, of, of, of uh, multitasking. And after nine months, I noticed something. I noticed I started getting short of breath. I was 28 years old. I'm in health. I'm, I'm healthy. I used to run. I, mean, I was okay. I was getting shortness of breath. Then another thing started happening to me. I started getting, uh, the heart started pitter-pattering. And when I'm laying down in bed, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, I'm hearing my heart. So I'm saying, what in the world's going on with me? I'm having this issue with shortness of breath. So I went to the doctor. doctor checked me out, the whole thing. And then he says, you have a tough job, huh? He says, yes, I do. A lot of stress. Yeah, actually, I do. Leave your job. That's my diagnosis. Leave your job. It's too stressful for you. And the problem with the stress that you're going through, it's a continual stress. And if you don't relieve uh, yourself or release from it, what will happen is all of what you're experiencing will become permanent after a while. I went, wow. So it wasn't a medicine I had to take. It wasn't a, you know, a long-term therapy. I had to leave my job. So you know what I did? I left my job. Three months, everything disappeared. I was back to normal. It was based on a stress level that I didn't know or understand. So I just went with it. You know, us guys, we, I got to do what I got to do when I go. And, and if, if I feel, I just push through it, push through it. Some things you're not supposed to push through. Some things you're supposed to back off from. I'm not getting too many amends from the guys now. But the truth of the matter is, sometimes we have to make sure that our life is not just you constantly running, 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 and doing and doing and doing, because you're not a human doing. You're a human being. You're not an energizer bunny. Hello? You're not. You're not Superman. I enjoy watching superheroes. I enjoy watching the X-Men. I enjoy watching Spider-Man, but we're none of that. All of that is Hollywood. We are frail vessels, and we need to be recharged. We need proper sleep. We need, and you know, I'm, uh, this is not a very spiritual message, but guess what? When you go on vacation, a week or two, you'll hear God even more clearly. When you're in stress, when you're in overload, you can't hear God. When you're in stress overload, you're less productive. So we have to learn, you're not the energizer bunny, you can't say yes to everything. Let's do a quick exercise. I'm, I'm going to ask you to repeat a word. Okay, you ready? One, two, three, repeat after me. No. See, that's a good word. It's a healthy word. You can't do everything. Sometimes you have to say, no. Let's, let's say it to your neighbor. No. <laughs> now you got a little passionate there, right? Yeah, sometimes you can't do it all. Sometimes you have to Take your pace. Uh, the other thing, what happens is if you don't allow yourself to calm down, you'll lose your joy. Nothing worse than being overly stressed. You know, in, and again, I share from my experience, and I'm sure that you have your own. But I remember not so long ago, I, I had an issue um, at the job where um, nothing was going right. And I would tell the guys, 
uh, I want this done, and then they would contraband me, or, or, or they would do something else. Let me, see, let me put it that way. Then I would tell them, to, then they would do something else. And meanwhile, I'm the supervisor. But since I'm new, I'm only there four months, they're used to a certain way, right? So they would keep on doing the other way. And I remember one guy comes into the office, and I told him, did you do what I told you to? Well, no, because the other guy told me to do something. I snapped at that guy because I was at such a tension level already. I snapped before I thought. And, and, and I told him, I don't care what anybody has told you. Go do what I told you to do. And the second I did that, I caught myself. And he went <laughs> like that. And I went, I'm sorry. That's not me. It's tension. That's, I apologize. Can you do me a favor? If I asked you to do something, get it done. Thank you, but I apologize. I, re I really had to stop right there and realize I was out of order. But it was not a victor at peace. It was victor under extreme pressure. Where you're getting pressure from all ends, and you have to acknowledge it and realize it. Otherwise, it'll take over. And then you become grouchy and grumpy. And if you don't catch it, weeks pass, and now you're grouchy and grumpy everywhere. You're grouchy and grumpy at work. You're grouchy and grumpy in the street, in the train. Grouchy and grumpy um, with family, with your spouse, with your children. Not a good place to be. So you lose your joy. Job 9.25. My life passes more swiftly than a runner. It flees without a glimpse of happiness. The faster many times you move, the less time you have to enjoy life. And the Bible says God gave us, he came to give us life and life in abundance. The other thing is we become actually less productive. We think by doing more things we're more productive. No, we actually become less productive. It's called the law of diminishing returns. Creative people are people that know how to pace themselves. They get things done. I, I've, I've told uh, my guys, I've spoken with my wife, and I said the best way to do it is just sit down, get one thing done first. We jump from thing to thing to thing to thing, and we never finish anything. No, finish one thing. Well, we got to, you know, the tyranny of the urgent. This guy calls you, she calls, they call you. Every, you have to say, I'll be with you in five minutes. Or I can't do it this week, I'll do it next week. Let's make an appointment to get it done. Because what will happen is everybody will pull you to their agenda. Now I'm getting no amens at all. Now I have you looking at me like if I'm weird. Yeah, they pull you to their agenda, and that's normal. Human beings have their own agenda. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but their best is not your best. Yeah. Oh, it's the vision of God. Says, no, no, that's your vision. It's not my vision. I've, I've had to actually apologize to many of my friends out there, many ministers and co-laborers, because they have a lot of things that they're doing, and they're constantly calling me, and I'm constantly saying no. I had one minister very offended at me. Called me and says, well, you know, never go to my events. You know, what's going on? You, you know, I go to some of yours. And I go, I apologize. But the problem is I don't have the time. And I'm not trying to be bad or mean or uncaring. I just don't have the time. You see? Now, as I'm saying it, I'm feeling the person's pain. But I also have to realize that I'm just a human being. And even when they asked Jesus to go here and there and there, you know what he would say? Can't do it. I have to fulfill all righteousness. He was on a mission. You could not get that person out of his mission. One time, Nehemiah, they invited him, come down, have dinner with us. He says, no, I'm in the midst of a big work, of a great work. Don't you have a great work to do? Wow, you don't? 
I'm going to say it again. Don't you have a great work to do? Absolutely. So if people are constantly tugging at you, if you don't say no, what's the option? Get pulled in. And then after a while, and here's the worst thing. The worst thing is say something, say yes to somebody when you didn't want to say it, and then later on you have to turn around and say no because you couldn't do it and you knew you couldn't do it at the time you told them yes. Because now they get upset at you because you gave them your word. Victor, that's a good word, man. That's an excellent word, Vic. Excellent word. Thank you for sharing that with me. I have to self-motivate it. You are not going to motivate me. (laughs) Just joking. But the truth of the matter is we do that many times. And then we get ourselves into a hole. We get ourselves into a problem. And the interesting about it is we're stressing it the whole time. And they're happy. Oh, yeah, she's going to do this for me. He's going to do this for me. And we're going, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And you end up doing it. And you end up losing all of your energy, losing all your peace. And then after you do it, sometimes they don't even say thank you. Thank you for that one amen. Oh, praise God. I got an amen. All right. Everything's well with the world again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. they, they They will push you and push you and sometimes not even thank you. So we're less, pro- less productive many times. Proverbs 21.5. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. So sometimes you've got to plan. Sometimes you have to sit down and, 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 and set things up. And take your time and then they'll work well. The next thing is when we're too stressed out, we can't hear God. All circuits become busy many times. You, you know, God can't get your attention because you're too busy. God's calling you and you're not hearing him. Everybody else is calling you and you're listening to them. Proverbs 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. Mind, quiet down. Heart, quiet down. Soul, quiet down. So you could hear God. When you hear God, when you spend time in his word, meditating in his word, you're more clear and, and you know what to do. That wisdom flows like rivers of living water. So because of that, let me give you a couple of strategies so you can slow down a bit. And by the way, these will go counterculture. It's definitely counterculture, what I'm about ready to share with you. And um, I appreciate all of these points because when I go to pastors.com or when I go to other uh, websites where pastors talk with each other and share these points, um, I appreciate them. So these, these points, um, I've lived them. I experienced them. I've messed up a hundred times with them. You know, so I want to share it, but at the same time, I'm also applying them to my life. The first one is we really have to learn contentment today. Because we're chasing after stuff. We're never content. We want more. You got one car, you want two. You know, you have one house, you want two, you want three, you want four. You know, you make a thousand, you want now you want to make twelve hundred. You want twelve hundred, you want to make fourteen hundred. We're never content. We're always pushing for more, pushing, pushing, pushing. At what point? Does one become content? Paul made it very clear. He's learned to be content in all circumstances. Key word there, I learned. See, it's not natural. We always want more. We're greedy by nature. I want more, more. Even as children. You, you get children together in a room, and, and uh, there's one boy that brings the toys, but it belongs to that boy. All the other children will 
take that toy and they'll make theirs. They take the other one, make it theirs. You, even as children, we want more and more and more. You give them a toy. Next week, we, they want the other one. Isn't it true? As children, we're that way. So we have to learn to be content. When you're content, now you'll do the things you need to do, but you won't be stressing yourself out to beat this person or be better than this person. You will learn how to manage what you have. And when you learn to manage what you have, you'll realize you have a lot more than you thought. Our problem many times is we don't manage what we have, and what will happen is we spend it all, then we, well, I need to make more. No, you need to manage what you have. If you manage what you have, you'll realize you actually have what you need, and sometimes more. So in Philippians 4.11, he says, I have learned to be content in all circumstances. And in 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 8, it says, there's great gain in godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can't take anything out of the world. So if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Everything else... So a friend of mine, he says, everything else is gravy. Everything else is extra. Everything else is ice cream and whipped cream with cherry on the top. Everything else is a gift. You enjoy it. If you have it, if you don't have, Paul said it, I've learned to have a lot. I learned to be abased. In, any, in all conditions, I'm all right. Where are we at? I remember when, when I, I had that, that problem. For three months, I couldn't work. I was so stressed out. So for three months, you know what I did? I just taught Sunday school. And for three months, I just ministered in the church. I wasn't pastor at that time. And I did whatever. I did some evangelism. I had a great time. Content. I was only making $95 a week at that time after I lost my job. And so what happened was is I would give my $5 tithe or $10 tithe. And I was happy. I was content. I said, thank you, Lord, for this place. I know, Lord, I'm going to need to get out of this soon, but I thank you for this moment. And so we managed what we have at that time. And then when I was ready, doors opened up for me right away. But I learned to be content where I was at. Contentment is not a lack of ambitions, by the way. Contentment is not a lack of dreams. You can have dreams. You can have ambitions and desires for life to be better for you and your family. But it's not needing more in order to be happy. See, that's what that really is. When you're content, you thank God for what you have. As we were hearing Sister Latasha say, I'm thankful. And you're listening to the things she's thanking God for. Simple, the daily things. You, the thing is, we forget what's really important. If you see a person that's about ready to pass on, they've lived a great life, let's say they're 95 years old, they have their family there, what's the first thing they say to their family? They know they have only five minutes left, and they're going to go with Jesus. What do they say? Man, I just wish I could have worked some more overtime. Right? That's what they say, right? Not. They don't say that. They say, you know, I love all of you. I don't want you to miss me. I want you to celebrate me, my life. It was an honor. I mean, you talk to the family. That's what's important. So when she's talking about the family, the children, and, 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 and the rest of the family, that's truly what is important. But we get caught up. I mean, it's amazing. We'll leave our places and we'll go to the city and make a killing. And then at the end of the week, we have to go right back to find the peace that we had all along. No, people, contentment. What's, what's driving so many people today? Let me ask a question. What drives people today? Sometimes it's money. What else? Hmm? 
Power, yeah. Some people, they want power. Absolutely. Attention, Attention absolutely. What else? Hmm? Fun? I guess it starts out as fun, but after a while, woo, it becomes a drug. I need more and more and more. And after a while, you burn yourself out. Yeah, success, or what they perceive as success. And the problem with it is, is success keeps on going higher and higher. <laughs> it's almost like the high jump. You did the 6.5, now you got to go for 6.7. Then you got to go. It, that same way, success keeps on going because you attain it and you go, what's next? That's unhealthy ambition, right? It, it becomes unhealthy after a while. What else? I remember in, in my industry that I, where I work at, I, I worked and worked and worked. And what was the next rung was to become a property manager with a company and just do that exclusively. Meanwhile, all I had to do was manage one property. So I looked at it and I said, well, that's the natural progression for me to get that quote-unquote proverbial advance, right? The ambition thing, right? And I looked at it and I realized those people didn't sleep. They were working day and night. There were meetings all the time and all the time emergencies and all the time. They had seven, eight buildings. You know, he's like 15 years old and he already has white hair. A little hyperbole. But yeah, they were getting old before time. They had no life. Now says, you know, I'm content where I'm at. And I'm glad I did that because we, can't, we keep on going higher and higher. And after a while, you reach a level where you were supposed to remain, but you go to the next level, then you become miserable. Yeah, you don't enjoy it anymore. You were happy here. You were beneficial here. But since you caught you know, the, that bug, that, uh, that, that bug of keep on going higher and higher, you, know, you drank the Kool-Aid, so to speak. You know, of, of ambition and success, you don't realize you get to that place. Now you go, you know, it really wasn't all that. I wish I was at the other place where I was at. Now you left that place, and you're in a place now that you hate. So why? More money in your account, achievements in your career, fame, fortune, activities in your schedule. Some people just like to be busy. And, I, you know, I'm not convinced that that's a good thing. I don't want to be so busy that I never have time for anybody else. I want to have time to smell the roses. I want to have time to play with my grandchildren. Yeah, it's, it's a pleasure. And sometimes I catch myself. Sometimes they come to me and I'm so busy thinking of something and something else. And they, and they tug at me or whatever. They run into me and they want to play. Let's play. And I'm going, uh, I'm busy. I, ah, shut up. Yeah, let's go play. I'll get a ball with them. We'll throw the ball. We'll kick the ball. Have so much fun. And I realize this is life, man. Now I'm living. Praise God. Come on, give him some praise. So there, there are some myths that we need to consider because they create the wrong atmosphere mentally for us. Is If we have more, we'll be more happy. That's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. Um, Jesus says, a man's life, what does it profit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Proverbs 23, 4, foolish to sacrifice health for wealth. It says, don't wear yourself out trying to be rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for, for, and it will spring wings and fly away like an eagle. So you have to be careful chasing something that can sprout wings at any time. In 2008, many of us realized it. 2008, we might have had ten, twenty thousand dollars in our savings account. Not the savings, but the retirement account. Suddenly, it wasn't ten thousand anymore. It was like five thousand. And that's the way money could disappear, just like that. So you never, never, ever love money. 
Never ever love that. Use money to bless. Use money for the work of the Lord. Use money to help your children go to school, to help others. Use it as a tool for the glory of God. But never, never sacrifice your life for it. It's foolish to sacrifice health for wealth. Then there's the other myth. If I do more, it'll make me more important. If I do more, it'll make me more worthy. Wrong. Wrong. If I'm busy, I must be important. Wrong. Insecurity many times drives us to, uh, to you know, get approval from people. No, it does not. I'd rather do less and do it well than do a lot of things and you know, be all over the place. See, I, sometimes we try to prove our worth through our work. I know work's important, especially for us guys. We are actually connected with what we produce. That's how come it's very important that men have something that they're doing. And I don't care what it is. Uh, be the best sweeper in the world. Have honor with that. Pick up garbage. Have honor with that. Uh, you know, sanitation, whatever. I don't care. Doctor, lawyer. It doesn't make a difference. Many times we challenge ourselves. Well, I'm a doctor. Hi, my name is Victor. I'm a doctor. Well, I'm a lawyer. Well, I'm a this. I'm a that. I don't care where you're at. Just do it well. Have honor and integrity in what you do. That's important. When a man doesn't have a job, he starts to get, you know, uh, sad with himself. He starts getting uh, sometimes upset with himself. Sometimes they get into a depression. No, always find something to do. There's always something to do. And by the way, um, I was, last week I was listening uh, online. And uh, the pastor's wife shared that she says that the congregation is sad. And th- I don't, did you remember that? Were you there? Yeah, I have a problem with that. I have a problem. Don't come to my congregation and say my congregation's sad. I, 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 I arrest that right now in Jesus' name. We have the joy of the Lord. Amen. Now, I, I want to make something very clear. Uh, we're not a sad congregation. We're, we're a joyful congregation, and I, I, I don't think that that was the proper thing to say in a public place. And when I talk to them later, I will talk to them about it. You know, I love them. They're part of our fellowship. But, you know, if you sense something, that doesn't mean God's telling you to say it. So part of the prophetic or part of you sensing something is the wisdom whether or not you should say it in the first place. Sometimes God will show you something about an individual so you could pray for them, not so that you could go and blab it. You, you understand? So uh, as, as, as an under-shepherd here, I want to be very, be very cl- uh, clear and careful about what's released in this pulpit. And, and sometimes I have to bring a little correction. And uh, no, I don't sense that we're a sad congregation. Are we going through challenges? Hello, show me somebody that's not going through challenges right now. You're alive, you're going through challenges. It's the way it is. But no, we have the joy of the Lord here. Amen? Amen? We're a joyful congregation. And we know that God's with us. We know that he's with us in the process. She might have been sensing something about somebody individually and, and she did not accurately discern that. But I don't think that's something that needed to be shared. I think it's, when I go to somebody else's church, my job is to encourage that congregation. My, my job is to say something good, to build them up. And actually, next week, on Saturday, I'm going to spend all day in, at our church in South Jersey. I'm going to be ministering at the men's fellowship in the day and in the evening in their service. So I'm going to be very busy. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to encourage them. And if they're sad, I'm not going to be focusing on that. I'm going I'm to see how I can bring them up, bring up their faith level. Bring up their, their mental, emotional stamina so they could trust God and, and, and not just walk through that situation, but just, I mean, tear it apart. Amen? Yea, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Amen. My cup overflows. I'm joyful. 
Praise God. I'm celebrating his goodness. I'm celebrating the fact he's made me a son. You could say son or daughter in your place. But you know, we need to celebrate almighty God. Celebrate his goodness. Celebrate who he made you to be. You're very important. You're, 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 you're so useful here because he created you for this time. Some people say, I wish I would have been born in the 1800s. No, you would have been, you would have been a misfit. You would have been out of place. They would have arrested you. You would have been crazy. Because you would have come up with some concepts that they could not understand. You know why? You're supposed to have been born now, in this time, in this season. You're useful now. You're anointed for today. You're anointed for New York. You're anointed for the tri-state area. Praise God. I don't know what I'm doing here. You're called to be here. God doesn't make mistakes. Praise God. Sometimes it's that we're running away from the trouble that God has sent us into because you are the one that's supposed to bring the healing. You're the one that's supposed to bring the solution. And you haven't discerned that yet, so you want to run away from something that God is sending you to. Amen. Say amen, Jonah. <laughs> yeah, Jonah was the one that had the word, and yet he was trying to run away because he felt uncomfortable with the situation. He hated those folk. He didn't want to give a, bring a good word to those folk. Praise God. But you're anointed. Say to your neighbor, you're anointed. Praise God. Amen. Or, or you, you think people will love you more. They love me more if I do stuff for them. You know, it's interesting. They'll keep on loving you as long as you're doing. And the minute you're not doing, they don't love you anymore. You know what that means? They really never loved you to begin with. It was just that they were happy to have you along so you could do for them. You got to love me when I say no. If you don't love me when I say no to you, that means you never really loved me. Praise God. See, I like that one. That one set me free right there. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. The, the other thing is, if you look at Ecclesiastes 4.6, it's better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. So give me some quietness. Give me, give me peace so I can live my life out and serve it with joy. Not everybody who is ambitious should be admired. Just look at the landscape right now. Look, look at, for example, um, I don't want to be called Trump today. <laughs> I mean, you can't get a more ambitious man, right? Right? So just because a man is ambitious don't mean that, you know, it's often uh, going to bring you admiration. The truth of the matter is, just be who God called you to be. In peace, in serenity, in joy. Don't pursue the way the world pursues. They pursue to their hurt. Just do the will of the Lord and be the best you that you're called to be. The Bible says in Jeremiah 2.25, when, when will you stop running? When will you stop panting after other gods? You say, save your breath. I'm in love with these foreign gods. I can't stop loving them now. And that's our problem. We chase after things that we idolize. We idolize fame and fortune and power and other things, right? You, you mentioned that's one of the things that people chase after. They, they, they worship that. Stop chasing after that. Don't do like the world. We're not the world. And we need to also be at peace during all these transitions on a national level because the truth of the matter is the world is never going to act like the church anyway. We don't want to make the world act like the church. We want them born again. So our job is to continue to preach the gospel. Our job is to continue to let our light shine and to share the love of Jesus enthusiastically, like, like the Tasha did today, enthusiastically share Jesus. Guess what? 
Some will come to saving faith in Christ. Others won't. Others will continue living like the devil. What do you expect them to do? They're not born again. You know, we get offended. Well, bless God. Uh, the Bible says they don't care about the Bible. They only care about me, 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 me. Me, myself, and I. That's all they care about. You know why? Their eyes are darkened. So we need to love them enough to allow them to continue living that way, but praying for them and continue sharing the word and be patient with them and loving as Christ was with us until we came to saving faith in Christ. Because how many of you know, normally you don't come to Christ the first time somebody preaches at you. Sometimes God has to send you angels. He has to send you people. He has to send you programs, you know, little serendipity moments. He's all over you for years. And finally we get saved. We go, oh yeah, I found the Lord in 1985. You didn't find the Lord. The Lord's been chasing after you. He brought you dragging into the church. You, you, were, you didn't find God. He found you. He was seeking for you for many years. <laughs> Praise God. And what about the, the myth that life is a competition? Oh, very dangerous. I am not in competition with anybody. Because that always creates jealousy, envy, or pride. Pride because I'm better than this one. Envy and jealousy because they're better than me. So we can't be in that position. Don't put yourself there. The only one you compete against is yourself. I can do better. I know it. I know in my gut I can do better. And be patient with yourself. Grow. Do the study you need to study. Prepare yourself. Make your mistakes and keep on growing. By the way, all successful people make mistakes. It's normal. When you were nine months old, you can walk. When you were 12 months old, you started and falling. When you were 15 months, you were walking like this. Yeah, but by the time you were five, you were walking nice. You were running all over the place, on the walls, in the ceiling. Right? But you still couldn't really read uh, the Wall Street Journal. You were learning to read, but little by little you get better. That's the way humans grow. That's the way they succeed, little by little. So don't put yourself in a position where you always feel disappointed in yourself. Give yourself the patience you need with God's help to continue to get better. Oh, you're not feeling sorry for me? No, I'm not feeling sorry for you. I'm egging you on because I know you can do better. I'm not going to sit down and commiserate with you. Oh, you don't understand. I don't care. My job is not to help you feel bad. My job is to get you out of that funk. I'm going to push you. I'm going to, I'm like that, that European tapestry where the king was encouraging his troop. You know what the king was doing? He was kicking the troops in the blessed assurance, egging them on onto the battle. That's what encouragement meant in the original language, to kick them into the battle. My job is not, oh, bendito, ay, bendito. That's the Spanish word, oh, you know, poor little so-and-so. Right? My job is que bendito. <laughs> Praise God. Get out of that position and go higher in Jesus' name. You can do it. Spend enough time in that funk. Now it's time to go get it and go chase what God has placed in your hands. Go do it. Be successful in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Because when you do that, now you become a blessing, a conduit of blessing. Now you're being who God called you to be. Whether it be an intercessor, a pastor, a preacher, a teacher, an encourager. Whether it be an excellent B 
businessman, whether it be a lawyer, a judge, a doctor. You know, you don't know what God's calling you to do until you start getting into the flow of where you belong. Praise God. Actor, I don't know, whatever it is that God's calling you to be, it's time to really, really go after that and be that salt and light in that particular setting where God called you to be. Amen. In Proverbs 14.30, again, the, the living translation, you can't be relaxed and jealous at the same time. Look what it says. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. But jealousy is like cancer in the bones. So if I'm going to be comparing myself to people and I'm going to be jealous all the time, cancer in the bones. But if I'm going to be peaceful, in, in, in the sense that I know what I'm called to do, I'm not going to try to be what you want me to be, and I'm going to try to be what you want me to be, I'm going to be who God called me to be. So I'm peaceful about that. Guess what? It brings me what? Healthy body. Healthy, but it brings me health. So the secret is the starting point is not to reduce your activities or even to find replacement. It's to become content wherever you are and build from there. So say to your neighbor, it's time to become content with what you have, with who you are right now, and you build from there. See? But you don't, you, you don't compare yourself to others. Compare yourself to where you were at one month ago, five months ago, a year ago, and make sure you're continuing to grow. Make sure you're continuing to get better. But the other thing to do is to listen before speaking, because we speak too fast. You watch TV, you listen to radio. People shut other people down quickly. I don't know if you ever watched uh, the O'Reilly Factor. I get upset at him sometimes. You know, he has some good programs, but I get upset at him sometimes because he has some people that are diamet uh, diametrically opposed to his vein of thought. So there's supposed to be a healthy debate. So he asks them a question, and when they start answering, he shuts them down. He said, no, well, I don't think it's that way. And isn't that? And I'm, not, I'm on the TV going, shut up, O'Reilly. Let him finish his point. I really wanted to hear the contrapoint because sometimes, you know, it's good. It's good to hear the debate. See, but today's society, nobody wants to hear anything. You want to talk, 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 talk. And the minute they stop and you start, then they want to talk, talk, talk over you. No, 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 no. You have to talk less and listen more. James 1.19. Understand this. My dear brethren, James 1.19. My dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So slow down. Say to your neighbor, slow down. You know what I have a problem with? Fast-talking salesmen. Just the other day, I picked up the phone, and I knew, I knew it was, but I just wanted to hear what they have to say. Hello. And the lady was talking in Spanish. She says, hi, uh, this is so-and-so, and we just wanted to congratulate you for this and this and that. And I'm thinking, what are you congratulating me for? <laughs> you know, it wasn't really nothing. She was just trying to get me to buy something, uh, some insurance. And after she, she gave me like a little, like a one-fourth of a second to get through, I said, thank you, I appreciate that. However, we're not interested right now. No, no, but just let me finish, and I'm going to get you to another person. I'm going so she didn't listen to me. She kept on insisting that she was going to send me to the next person. And, of course, the next person was going to speak at 1,000 miles an hour. So as soon as she, she sent me to the next person, I just went, click. Thank you. Now can I go have my tea, please? 
yeah, but you hate that because there's no dialogue there. They're just trying to make you do something. Ecclesiastes 5.2, don't make rash promises, quick promises. Don't do that. Don't make rash or quick promises. Don't be hasty. That's quick, without thinking. Do not be hasty in bringing matters before God. After all, God is in heaven and you're here on earth. So let your words be few. Mm-mm-mm. Proverbs 29.20, there is more hope for a fool than someone who speaks without thinking. I'm just sharing the word with you. Uh, like I said to my wife this morning, just saying. <laughs> the word says there's more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. I felt like that not so long ago when I blurted out that with, that, with that guy. And I had to, you know, right there I had to apologize. Because I didn't want him to think that that's the way I am. I'm not. But there's so much stress, so much pressure at the moment. I just, poof, right there. Oh, my God. So what's the third strategy for slowing down? Obey the fourth commandment. The Bible is filled with instructions for healthy living. But this one's important. In Exodus chapter 20, I won't read it, but it talks about a Sabbath. A Sabbath is a time where you don't do anything. You rest. And a Christian Sabbath is when you take time to rest in God. You read his word. You listen to you know, music that, that glorifies God and gives you instruction. It's a time of healing. It's a time of refreshing. We need to do that. So I don't want to make a big deal of this, but it really is important. We need time off. There are people that I know work seven days a week. How in the world do you work seven days a week? Why, we need to. Oh, the problem is it's going to break you down. There's going to come a time where you won't be able to go to work, not the next day, but you'll have to quit the job because now you're very sick. We all need time off, a time where you turn off the phone. I just finished insulting half of the United States. Turn off the phone? Are you out of your mind? In, in the new movie uh, of the Terminator Genesis, part of the premise is that uh, Genesis is a company that is going to take over the world. And, you know, you know, they go backwards in time and then forward and back and forward. So in this particular final excerpt of the Terminator, uh, they have a couple of hours to turn uh, Genesis on, which, of course, is going to uh, affect everybody. And that's where the robots are going to take over. But you know what they use? The smartphone. They use the smartphone because I don't know if you notice. I don't know if it happens to you every once in a while. I get bam, 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 bam. I didn't set it up. I didn't ask for it. Without my permission, I could be in the midst of a meeting. Bam, bam, bam. Amber alert. Are you aware that the same government that can throw you an amber alert could shut down any form of news outlet and make the cell phone the only mode of communication for them and shut you down in terms of your ability to communicate with others and communicate themselves. So that is a scary thing. So we're trusting technology. It's going to make us more easy. Right now, Google is working on a car where you can sit down and tell it where you want to go and it'll take you wherever you want to go. But here's the problem. The same way that car could take you wherever you go, they know exactly where you are at every moment that you're in that car. 
Furthermore, in the same way, they can take the smartphone and send you an Amber Alert when you never asked for it. I've, I've received Amber Alerts at four in the morning when I'm in my ninth, ninth heaven sleep. Has it happened to you? Huh? The storm alerts? Yeah. And I didn't ask for it. I didn't sign up for anything. They're doing it. In the same way with these cars, they can take you wherever you want to go. It's the same way the government can say, okay, I want you to go right to the prison. And the car will listen to them because ultimately they have control of all of that. What's that? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's true. It's true. The more we trust in these things and stop really uh, being in control of our lives, we're becoming zombies. Not the way the movie, uh, yeah. no, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about, you know, literally in Midtown, they're walking and they're walking like this and it's red light and they continue to walk and then the car comes and they go, and instead of saying, oh my God, well, they keep on, they, you see it in their face. Yeah, they're walking, emote, Yeah, it's scary. And this young generation now, it's natural for them. You, you see him with the phone. I mean, while it's two years old. <laughs> when the same. The YouTube, yes, I've seen it. YouTube, people literally walking into fountains and. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Man, well, manhole cars, that's bad. <laughs> but yeah, but even worse. What about the, the car? They're in their car, and I see them all the time. I'm driving, and I go like that. Mm-hmm. And that person going, tick, 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 and I don't care how, how multitasker, excellent. You, you might be um, uh, um, a sniper-level, you know, phone user. That takes, it detracts. It, yeah, all it takes is a second. So we have to be very careful and pull away from technology, pull away from job, pull away from family, and have some quiet time with God. And rest. Say to your neighbor, it's time to rest. Praise God. Amen. You getting anything out of this, or, uh, or do you want to go home and rest? <laughs> Praise God. One guy called a pastor. He says, I try to call you all day Monday. He says, but sir, it's my day off. He said, well, the devil never take a day off. He says, you're right. And if I didn't, I'd be just like the devil. <laughs> so we have to rest. We have to rest our bodies. We have to rest our minds. We have to rest our souls. We have to recharge our emotions. Sometimes in quietness, you can recharge your emotions. In quietness, you can recharge your relationships. There are times I'll, I'll steal away time with my wife. We'll go away. We'll, we'll get away from everybody. And the kids, we want to go with you. The answer is no. <laughs> we need to recharge our relationship. We need to do that sometimes. We need to refocus our spirit. And that, you know, when you worship God, when you get into his word, you refocus your, your spirit in what's important because you have the tyranny of the urgent. It's always, this is important, that's important. No, no, no. The Lord is important. Above all, we need time alone with God. Praise God. In Psalms 127 verse 2, 
It says, it's useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night and anxiously waiting for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. See, so stop wasting your time. The next little last thing I want to share is praying before deciding. Don't do and then ask God to bless what you're doing. Pray and get wisdom first. It doesn't have to be long. It could be a quick prayer. God help me. I'm about ready to do some. Help me with this. Give me wisdom. You know, even if something like I'm going to preach, you think I just get up here and share a word? No, I ask God for help. For everything I do. When I go into a meeting, before I get into the meeting, Lord help me. Give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Give me grace and favor with the people. You have to do that. Proverbs 19.2 says this, enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. So stop enough to be able to hear the Lord and to hear your own spirit and to hear your own experience. Because our experience is important also. You've uh, lived a certain amount of experience that can give you the discernment you need. The other day I was with my wife. We came to a mall and I saw this this area coming this way and I saw you know you have two car two sections the car lanes this lane and this lane you could park here or you could go over and park on that side right it's just painted you know there's painted lines so I like to park where my car is already ready to go out instead of backing off so there was nobody on the other side so I was about ready to go to the other side but I saw the other car going this way and immediately my spider sense said watch out because they might come and actually park there so if you try to go over, you'll, you'll run into an accident. So I slowed and I waited for the person to come, and guess what? They went right into that parking space. So that's discernment that comes from experience. See, that's why when you're young, you're ignorant about certain stuff because you haven't lived experiences. So the more you live life, the more experiences give you a sensitivity you didn't have before. So I didn't have an accident with that person because my spidey sense or my experience in life was able to help me. So but hasty, uh, hasty actions create mistakes. Uh, I don't know if you remember, in 1929, there was a ro- ro- Rose Bowl, and this guy by the name of Regals, he ran, he got the ball and ran 65 yards the wrong way. And he got a touchdown for the other team. Why? Because he didn't stop a moment to look. What's, what's my vantage point? Where am I? Right? It happened again in 64. A guy named Marshall He went 66 yards the wrong way. In 1938, there was a pilot that was supposed to go from New York City to Long Beach. But the problem is there was fog. And so uh, 26 hours later, he landed in Ireland. Can we say a little, you know, not thinking? Not planning properly? That's what happens. Many times we're in Ireland and it was just supposed to be Long Beach. Yeah, yeah. There was this one guy, he was, uh, he, he was in a rush. So what he did was he noticed that the, clo- the road was closed, but he ended up taking the wrong road, and all he had to do was look at the signs. But he was such in a rush that he didn't look at the signs. So he ended up missing his stop. He had to go about 20 miles out and then get out of the highway, go back in, and then come back. He missed his meeting. See, he wanted to rush not to miss the meeting. He ended up missing the meeting. So haste, many times, causes you to lose out on the important things. In Proverbs 20, 25, don't trap yourself 
by making a rash promise to God. And later on, and not, only counting, only later on counting the cost. In other words, count the cost before you make the decision. And lastly, say with me, lastly. lastly. You happy? No. Okay, all right. The last thing is trust God's timing. Trust God's timing. Because many times you're not going to know the exact timing of when things are going to happen, but God is ordering your steps. If discontent is one cause for hurry, then impatience is the other big cause. We're impatient. You ever meet anybody that's impatient? You have a friend that's impatient? You're impatient? I appreciate that you mentioned that you admitted. Yeah, we're all impatient from time to time, but impatience many times can mess, mess us up, mess up our timing even with God. In Scripture, you see where people are impatient, and they literally have created situations in their future that have hurt them. You know, can we say uh, Moses? Can we say, uh, who's, who's the person? Uh, was it, um, is, is, yeah, Jacob and Esau, that's another situation. Uh, what about, I'm, I'm thinking about one, <clears throat> yeah, Abraham. Abraham, God told him he was going to have a beautiful son, and he was going to bless his son, and he's going to have great posterity, and beautiful, right? Meanwhile, He's almost, what is it, 75 years old, and he's been waiting on God for a long time. And finally, his wife comes up to him and says, you know, I know God promised you, but I can't have kids anymore, so you might as well have a kid through my uh, servant here, and, you know, that'll be the person that God spoke. No, it was not God's will. So out came someone that later on became uh, the, the, the one where the Arabs came from. That's where the Arabs came from, right? Meanwhile... Then at 99, uh, now comes the, the child of promise, so to speak. So his mistake have created two nations, both of them children of Abraham, and they've been fighting for the land for thousands of years. That's amazing, being impatient, not waiting for the timing of God. And many times we just really don't believe God has our best interests in heart. So we need to do it ourselves. We need to make it, our, we need to make it happen. And so we end up struggling and striving for what he intended to just give us at the right season and the right time. So is faster always better? No, no absolutely not. God has a plan for our life, but he also has a timetable. Ecclesiastes 3.11, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's word from beginning to end. So since you can't see it all, you need to trust God. Trust God with his timing. Yeah, but if I had this, I'll be happy. Trust God because in, that, in the right time, he'll, have, he'll give that to you. He'll bless you with it. But sometimes you need to wait on God. Praise God. Hallelujah. The disciples asked him, Lord, when do you come back? What did he say? He said, it's not your business. <laughs> in essence, that's what he said. None of your business. None of your concern. You concern yourself with the souls. See, there are certain things I have reserved to myself. In Habakkuk 2.3, I won't read it because I'm finishing, but it, write the vision down. Make it plain on tablets. So whoever can read it can run with it. And it says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but it shall not tarry. It will come forth. 
Wait for it because it will come to pass. So trust God because in your life you have things that you already know God is doing, but you want them today. See, that's the flesh talking. God is saying it's for you, but it's in two years. It's in five years. It's in 20 years. Right? God has been speaking to us about a building for 20 years. And now 20 years later is when we have the building. If I wouldn't have waited on God, you know what I would have done? I would have took the job offers that they gave me. I was given job offers to pastor churches that have buildings already. I wouldn't have to fight for it. I wouldn't have to worry about it. But it would have been another congregation. It wouldn't have been you. And I'm wired for you. I would have gone over there. I would have been miserable. Thank you for that amen. I appreciate it. At least one person appreciates me here. Everybody else is going... I'm just joking. No, but think about it. If you wait on God, God will give you in his perfect time, in his perfect plan. Don't stress life. Don't stress circumstances and situations. God is working a perfect plan in and through and for you and your family and your future and your destiny and purpose. We need to work with God, not work against God. Amen? So we're going to continue to hurry Are we going to continue to stress out every day? Or are we going to rest in him? Thank you for listening. We pray that this message fueled your faith. For more resources, visit www.calvary.com. NY.org. You are blessed and highly favored.